Yo, 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 what's going on, you guys? This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And this is your favorite video game podcast, the Sticky Buttons Podcast. We're coming at you with a pretty fire episode today. Blake, you want to tell them what episode we have in store? So fire, we could be Scarlet or Violet. We're talking about Pokemon speculation today. The new Pokemon game is coming out in less than 30 days. And I don't know, we've been very excited about it. There's a lot of hype around this Pokemon game. Supposedly the first open world video game. And I'm going to be honest, Brandon, based on everything we've seen and the last two games that the Pokemon company has put out, I'm feeling very mid on this. So I'm just, I mean, I'm just coming on saying it. I want to be excited and there's a lot that I am excited about, but there's also a lot that makes me a little bit nervous. Start the countdown. 30 days till the new Pokemon game comes out. Let me see when does it actually come out. Dude, I'm pretty stoked. You know, despite looking at that trailer and just feeling like, man, this is really a kid game. <laughs> you know, that, that was immediately like my first thought. Like, this is really a game for kids. And, you know, it is. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like Pokemon knows, like, they have to cater to their longtime fans, right? The people who have supported them so much and have brought them to where they are today. Yeah. And when I saw like certain things, we'll get into it. But when I saw certain things, I was like, this does not look like the Pokemon company is, or this doesn't feel like rather that they have our best interests in mind. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll say this, man, based on everything that we've seen, it definitely looks like they're mixing it up, which I don't know. I personally, I think that's a good thing. I mean, honestly, I put a lot of time into into Sword and Shield, and I don't know when the last time I talked about it, but my save file on that is over 660 hours, which is crazy. But (laughs) honestly, I'm like a little embarrassed, but it is what it is, you know? I think it's one of those things where if you don't, I don't know, I hadn't played a game or a Pokemon game since platinum and then i just fell right back into it so right from what i have kind of gleaned of like going back and playing some of the older ones as well it kind of feels like they lost the spirit of the originals when they switched from 2d to 3d and i feel like they're still trying to find that i don't know if you agree with that at all but i think that like especially when we got like bdsp like it was still like the top down 2d and there's just something about it that just felt so good to me and like if you go back and you play sword like the routes like they don't necessarily feel like alive the wild areas and the dlc are incredible and that's what i've spent so much time in but like the actual like getting from this town to this town like it just doesn't feel epic no i definitely see what you mean there like as far as the feeling you get when walking through in between cities and sword and shield is like, I don't know. It can just get really repetitive and, you know, you would think a 3d world that's vibrant in color, especially a 3d world that used to be 2d, you would really appreciate it. But I like the word that you use. You said it doesn't feel as alive. Like the space doesn't feel as alive. And I think that's a really good way to put it because that's kind of what I feel when I'm walking through Let's say, what is the big, the big grass area, the wild? Oh, the wild area. The wild area. 
sometimes, you know, the wild area can get really repetitive and it can feel dead just like going through biking around the same lake. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like something about the 2D, like not knowing what you're going to get eventually. Mm -hmm. That kind of, I don't know, plays into Pokemon. And I think we've had this conversation before. It's definitely something out there in the community. A lot of people agree. Yeah. The isometric view is home in terms yeah. of Pokemon. Definitely. And, you know, I've actually, I've been doing a bit of research on this recently. And there's these graphics out there that you can find on the internet. And I really recommend you try and find them. But they have like the squares that you would see on your like square screen, whether it be on your Game Boy or DS. And it kind of shows, it's like a square picture. And then it's like this huge map that is like one square picture next to another square picture next to another square picture. And that kind of is the whole world. And it's this non-linear path. And there's all these things that you can go and do. And we've kind of touched on it. This game is open world. And I think that that's interesting because to me, I never really felt like the linearity of Pokemon is a bad thing. Like, did you ever feel that way? No, I never felt like that. I never felt that way either. I always felt the sense of adventure and I always felt the sense of mystery. So I'm very excited, but also a little bit nervous and hesitant to see what they can do. I'm definitely nervous because part of me feels like they could really mess up a good thing here Mm -hmm. if they don't execute this properly. Because what they're trying to do is really groundbreaking you know, in terms of the franchise. And if done properly, I think it could be something that we get on here and we're talking about and we're super excited to experience. But, you know, if they do it poorly, you know, I could really change my experience with Pokemon for the next couple of years. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me ask you this, man. Let's talk about Legends Arceus because that is very close to being open world. It's not open world. Like you can't seamlessly go from one area to the next and you can kind of see the, I don't know. I personally felt like once I got into these big open spaces, like the technicality of it, not technically being an open world. Like I didn't really care personally. How did you feel about that? Like about Legends Arceus? Did you feel like that was a good way that they executed an open world concept? Do you think that was better than the the wild areas? I think it was definitely better than the wild areas Mm -hmm. for me personally, in the sense of like, I'm walking around, I could really run into a random Pokemon anywhere. And you could tell there was just a bit more like attention paid to that experience of navigating that Mm -hmm. open world in Arceus, as opposed to the wild area, which makes sense. I mean, Sword and Shield, they had a lot of other things to focus on, Mm -hmm. but in terms of answering your question, yeah, I definitely feel like Legends Arceus felt better and felt more alive and, you know, kind of thinking ahead into Scarlet and Violet and how that compares to Legends Arceus. You know, I'm picturing just basically being able to walk right into the camp and then right into the city, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be that much more different than Legends Arceus in that way, right? Because you can mm-hmm. still go. It's probably going to be really similar to Arceus as far as like the catching mechanic. You know, you'll I just hope go. so. It hasn't been confirmed, but let's hope. You know, let's just hope it's at least somewhat similar. Something, yeah. Because it it works well. Mm -hmm. It works well. People have gotten used to it. So, And I think they know that. So we'll see how it goes. 
And I think that that's probably what Legends Arceus was. Because if you remember, we were kind of scratching our heads at first when we first heard about Legends Arceus. Like, we were like, wait, they're releasing this game? Like, right after yeah. they just mm-hmm. dropped BDSP? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on here? And I think it could have been their motive. You know, like, let's break the ice here and let's see what this kind of feels like for people, how people will receive this. And I think they saw how people received it, you know, Legends Arceus. Some people hated it, and some people absolutely loved it, man. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we could go on Twitch right now and find a hundred different people, you know, still playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the thing that really made me like Legends Arceus, I think the thing that they did best in Legends Arceus was whenever you were walking in the world, <laughs> you'd walk into you know, this crazy alpha Pokemon that's like so much higher level than you. And if you try and fight it and your team can't handle it, like you're toast. And I think that it really made like the Pokemon feel terrifying. And then when you finally like slowly build up that level and you can finally like, I don't know, for me personally, there was this alpha Snorlax in the first area that I like the first time I was in the first area, I bumped up against this alpha Snorlax and like, I think it wiped pretty much my whole team and I ran away right before it got me, but then it attacked me and I was like trying to get away and it was really tough to get away from this. It was scary. Yeah, He's going to roll you over in your whole squad. Absolutely, man. He was going to eat me. I was going to be his munch, his munch lax. (laughs) He was going to munch on me. That's hilarious. That's really the kind of things that did happen in Arceus. Like just being chased down by like a really fast Pokemon is not it. Like yeah, like an Alpha Luxray, which is just like a huge like tiger-like yeah. creature, just like absolutely like running after you and summoning electricity from the sky and like shooting yeah. it down on you. Like it's not fun. It's terrifying, and I think that that was really cool and i really liked that part of it because it made it feel like when you can add that member to your team you're like now i have this power and like oh my gosh like it's just so cute too like i i went back after like 10 hours or so and caught that alpha snorlax and i added it to my team he's still on my team to this day and it was just so awesome to like i don't know have like this humongous mammoth of a pokemon that also is like it, right. it was against you it was your foe and now he's your ally That was just really cool. The thing that I'm worried about is in Sword and Shield, you could kind of come up on a scenario like that. Like, for example, I think there's a lot of players that the first time they got into the wild area, there's a huge onyx there. And if you go up to that onyx, like it is way more over level than you. And it's kind of the same experience, but you can't catch it. And like in Legends Arceus, like you can throw Pokeballs at it. I mean, like it's going to be very, very hard for you to catch it at that lower level. But like you could, like if I had maybe played it stealthily and that Snorlax hadn't noticed me and I threw it a heavy ball at it or a Gigantian ball, like maybe I could have got it. Or maybe if I threw a berry, distracted it and then threw the ball, like maybe I could have gotten it. But in Sword and Shield, there's no way for you to catch that onyx. And that's my biggest worry about this open world in, in the Pokemon. I feel like they're going to have that moment where it's like, like the Snorlax and it's very scary and terrifying. But if you can't manipulate that situation, to turn that 
Snorlax into an ally, like if you have to get a certain amount of gym badges, then to me, I don't think it's open world. It doesn't matter if you can go from city to an open area. If you can't catch a Pokemon, if it's over a certain level, to me, I don't think that's an open world Pokemon game. I agree with you. I think you should be able to catch anything anywhere, especially given that it's a multiplayer focused game. Yeah, this is the first one where they have like at some leaks where it looks like there's like multiplayer hubs all over the world. You can kind of like play with people and it looks pretty, pretty exciting. You know, just imagine an open world from the start of your Pokemon experience where, you know, all these different trainers are going on their journeys and, you know, you can kind of interact with them the same way you would interact with Pokemon. You know, you could like battle or you could trade or you could ignore them or, you know, team up and try to catch a really strong Pokemon. Like somebody distracts it while the other person sneaks up on it. Like, yeah. you know, things like these, I think, are the future for Pokemon. And they're kind of, Legends Arceus was a way for them to like to test a lot of things. Yeah, I think and, so as well. Uh, they definitely were able, like, that's that was such a cool mechanic, just being able to catch Pokemon you had no business catching mm-hmm. but if you had the right tools you could definitely do it and so i'm curious to see how that plays on you know from a multiplayer perspective yeah. like day one who's gonna have a rayquaza <laughs> <laughs> they, like, you never know man rayquaza might even it might be in this game he might be in this game man. it seems like they're bringing in pokemon from a bunch of different regions it's not just like the new is it yeah. the Cora Cora region? What'd you say? I don't know the name of the region. Oh, is it it's, Cora Cora? oh my gosh, what's it called? It's the Paldea region. Paldea, okay. Yeah, they've so, got a lot of like Gen 1, Gen 2, and like all the way up to, I think there's a couple Pokemon from Galar that have been confirmed. So I think they've got them all. I think they're going across all gens. So, so we'll see. Everything in Paldea. That's interesting. I don't know if they have them all, but I think they have some from each era. I see. Because I think there's a... Oh, man. I don't know which gen it originated in, but the Girafferig Pokemon? Do you know which one I'm talking about? I'm pretty sure he's like a Johto or a Cop. Yeah, I was, actually, I thought he was a Gen 2. But yeah, so Girafferig, they gave them, which is a Gen 2 Pokemon. Yeah, that's in Gen 2 and Gen 3 where it made its first appearances they gave it an evolution so that's really cool i actually always liked that pokemon so i think that's pretty cool pretty i always love when they do things like that Mm -hmm. you know they just decide like let's give this pokemon the evolution you know or or let's Mm -hmm. change this form i think that's really interesting and it adds some spice to the world yeah absolutely i'm trying to think of like things that's happened pokemon that's happened within the past yeah, I mean, there's so many where... What are some they, examples of, like, one that they added evolution for? I'm sure I'll think of one in a sec, but I really liked the Ponita Galar form, where it was kind of like a unicorn. That was really sick. And then a Marowak, they did, like, a Lowland Marowak, yeah. like, a Lowland True. Those were some really cool regional forms. Oh, I'm just trying to think. I can't... If I think of one, I'll... I'll let you know, but I want to come back to what you said about the tools of the open world, but you were also kind of talking about like the multiplayer too. Like, do you remember we were playing Elden Ring earlier this year and, you know, you jumped into my world, the bonfire 
And we were kind of just exploring an area that neither of us had been in before. And we came across this cave and we were like, oh my gosh, we want to go check out this cave, but we both have to discover it and then we can do it together. So you left and then inside of the cave, they have another like multiplayer respawn point, like another campfire. And then we both, you know, went to that campfire and we got into that cave. I'm really hoping that Pokemon allows for experiences like that. That's my hope is that we can both, you know, hop into, maybe I can hop into your game or you can hop into mine and we can just do a little bit of exploring. I think that would be really cool. And I hope that that's the way they do it. That would be really cool. Or maybe introducing like a dungeon concept, you know, where we can kind of like explore something together with our Pokemon and like increase the levels of our Pokemon while also getting you know, items, loot rather. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of ways they could take it. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the trailer, which the latest trailer, which was like 16 minutes long, where they go in depth at it, like four different trainers' journeys. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything that like, to me kind of said like, okay, this is going to be a very exciting feature like that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Did, did you see anything like that? No, I mean, the, the truthful answer is no. And it's kind of one of those things where like, I love Pokemon. They're saying all these exciting things. But yeah, when we see these little snippets of it, like to me, it kind of just looked like there was an empty desert. Like, I'm sure you kind of know the, I guess the part of the trailers that I'm talking about. It just kind of looks like the player's in an empty desert. And like, it doesn't really, I mean, yeah, it's cool that there's three other people, you know, there's three buddies are there with their Pokemon, but if the world doesn't feel like a cool place to live in, like if it feels like an empty open world not lived in, then I think it, it fails. And, you know, we've gotten like snippets of this. And I mean, both of us, we, we both put hundreds of hours into the Pokemon franchise. Like we know we're going to play it and we know, you know, we're probably going to put tons of hours into it it's really hard to gauge, you know, based on like the 20 minutes of trailers that we have. But yeah, from what I've seen, it doesn't necessarily make me excited, but what they have said makes me excited, which is, you know, two totally different things. As it usually is. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. People, people can say things, but at the end of the day, it all matters about like what you really actually do. Yeah. And, you know, if I get that game and I terrestrialize and I'm upset, I'm going to be upset, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the terrestrializing thing is. Can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I was about to steer it that way too, man. I'd love to talk about it. And I guess really quick, if you haven't seen this terrestrializing thing, they kind of bring the Pokemon into a ball and the Pokemon kind of turns into this crystalline form and they have a new type. And I think it's will probably last for a couple turns. But I guess before we get into it, This is, I guess, like kind of quote unquote, it's kind of a gimmick. It's kind of a gimmick of this generation. They've kind of done this in the last few. And I think they had mega evolutions. Did they have, was it X moves or Z moves or something like that, Brandon? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like Z moves. Yeah, maybe Z moves. And then in Galar, they had, or in the previous one, they had Gigantamaxing. Gigantamaxing. And then this when they have terrestrializing. And if you don't mind, Brandon, I'd like to talk about Gigantamaxing first. Of course. Because that is, I think, the coolest part of the previous gen to me. 
and I think it's got a great design to it. And it's truly like, it's my favorite part. So I think what really makes this last gen special was you had these like huge FIFA-esque like fields that you would go on to. And that's where you would have your gym battles. Like they were in these gigantic stadiums and like they really made it feel like when you were walking out onto the field, it was like you were walking out onto like a humongous like professional soccer pitch in the Premier League or like you're about to walk on and play the Super Bowl. But it's just you and your Pokemon and the gym leaders. Yeah. And the reason they have these humongous stadiums is because they have Gigantamaxing, which basically it's a phenomenon in the Galar region. And you pull your Pokemon back into a ball and you do a really cool animation, throw it over your shoulder or whatever you do. And it turns into this like gigantic, like hundred foot plus Pokemon. Like as soon as you see it, it's super epic. It's super powerful. And like, you just understand in the moment, they're like, oh, this is something that's special, but it's also like, you can only do it during certain battles. Like it's just so cool to do. And for me, when I was playing it, I was like, dude, they got it. Like they understand Pokemon like a way that like, I don't know. I always visualize it in the animes. Like this gym battle is so epic. And the more I kind of learned about this past region, I kind of feel like maybe I was giving them too much credit. So did you know, I mean, the Galar region is kind of based on loosely on Great Britain kind of. And yeah. the three starters was a Grokey, Sobble. And Litten. No, that's the score bunnies, the fire starter. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. That's the previous generation. Isn't that Alola like the kitten? Oh, that is Alola. You're right. Yeah. So they have Grookey, which turns into like a drummer. And they have Sobble, which is the water Pokemon, which turns into this like spy-esque creature, kind of like James Bond. And then they have Score Bunny, which is just like a cute bunny that kind of turns into a soccer player. And after learning about it, like they picked like three British archetypes. Like they picked the drummer, like the Beatles, a soccer player, like Score Bunny, and James Bond for Sableye. And they were just paying homage to the things that they liked from British culture. And the Gigantamaxing and the gym battles were no exception because I mean, obviously soccer is super important there. Like I've got a coworker that I, I work with and they're from London and like whatever region of London that they're in, they're like, yeah, we've got like three soccer teams. Like, and if you lived in like this neighborhood, you rooted for this one and this neighborhood, you rooted for this one and in this neighborhood, you rooted for this team. And then like, they're all within like a couple miles of each other, which is just crazy. Like, I guess you can kind of imagine it with like, the Knicks and the Mets and the Yankees. But I mean, for me, where I grew up, like there, there just aren't that many teams. So I just think that's crazy, but that I think I gave them too much credit and they were really just like kind of trying to emulate that experience, which kind of brings it to terrestrializing. It's like, I say gimmick, but it really feels like a gimmick here. Like it kind of just feels like some wacky thing you can do with your Pokemon. And yeah, it feels like, Something they kind of just threw in last minute to like an extra thing. Yeah, like yeah. oh, like we had Gigantamaxing, we have to do something new here. And I feel like now that I know that we're looking into the crystal ball and we're seeing terrestrialization as our next gimmick, 
I'm wishing we had Gigantamask because it was very simple. Like it only lasted three turns, but it was super epic because your Pokemon became huge. Instead of this one, like your Pokemon's kind of the same size, but it's a crystal now. It just got harder. Yeah. But, I get it. I get it, but it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it feels kind of cheeky. And then I'm reminded like, and that's what I started with. I was like, it's just a kid game, you know? Mm, yeah. At the end of the day, as more people playing, especially new players, like, wow, there would probably be some people who really appreciate that feature. Yeah. It's the same way we talk about the Gigantamax. They're like, terrestrializing is really cool. You know, and they really enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to play a lot of it. Because one of the things that keeps bringing me back to Sword and Shield, like I played it last week, is like you can just jump into these raids and it's you, three other people, and you're taking on this huge Pokemon. And I think it's going to be the same kind of thing where it's like you're taking on, because they've already kind of said they have raids. And I think that the raid concept is really fun because if you want to hop into Pokemon and do a battle for a little bit, like you can hop in and do these raids, you know. I love raids. They're really fun. So I think we're really going to have a good time with them. But I don't know about the, the visuals and I don't know. It feels a little cheap to me. Yeah, it seriously does feel a little, a little cheap to me too. It feels like kind of a last minute thing. Like they were like, oh shit, we got to get this game out <laughs> in <Yeah>. November. <laughs> come on, guys, let's quickly come up with some things. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong though. I hope I'm wrong. But shout out to the Pokemon company for doing what they do. You know, it's yeah. a tough job, so. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't We don't know we all the work that goes in behind the scenes and say creating something like this. Yeah, definitely but, not. But there is one thing that I do want to say on the terrestrializing that I think is going to matter a lot. So with terrestrializing, I don't know if you picked up on this, Brandon, but in the trailers, they say that when you terrestrialize, your Pokemon becomes another type. Yeah. So, and they kind of showed... A Suawudu being, which is a rock tape Pokemon changing into another type. And it was a gym leader. And I think that that's really going to matter, Brandon, because a lot of times we kind of say, oh, like it's very easy to play Pokemon. Like once you know the type, you can go into a gym and you can have a lot of the type that's super effective against it. And then you can just kind of steamroll. I think what this terrestrializing is going to do is I think it's going to change that up because if you have the super effective move, it would be a very strategic terrestrializing to pick a terrestrialized type that is maybe not effective to super effective moves. So I think it's really going to solve a problem that a lot of people have been asking for. When you say it's a kid's game, once you you know kind of get into it, it I think it's really going to up the difficulty because of terrestrialization. At least that's my hope. I think it'll definitely up the difficulty. I think about competitive as well, from the competitive standpoint of mm-hmm. the game. I don't think they will include the terrestrializing, but if they do, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. And just a little bit more on the terrest, like the competitive in general. You know, I've been hearing some things along the community about how competitive is going to be as the most you know, open or inclusive as it's ever been, as they might be looking into allowing you to basically like edit Pokemon for competitive matches. Oh, wow. It's really interesting. 
Yeah, you know, that that's something really interesting that you brought up because we have a, I guess we'll say we have an unreleased episode where we had a guest that came on, the Pokemon professor, which it would be great to have him on when we talk about Scarlet and Violet. And he talked all about IVs and EVs. And basically, he kind of coached us on what those mean. And basically, each Pokemon is two sets of stats that you really need to max both of them out if you're going to be competitive. And having him kind of tell us about it and then, you know, learning how to do it later, it really does make a difference. Like I have a competitive Azumarill. I didn't breed it because I caught a shiny and I decided to change its IVs and change its EVs. And you can do that with like candies and bottle caps and, and whatnot in sword and shield. So you can do all of that retroactively. And I think it'd be cool if you maybe didn't have to do as much of that. And they made it easier to do that in Scarlet and Violet. I guess we'll see. Have you messed around with that at all? And bottle caps and whatnot? Yeah, like upping their IVs and then... I mean, I do take like HP ups and Carbos and Zinx and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. That's about it, though. I haven't really like, you know, tried to do any of that stuff. It's just so time-consuming, right? And that's one of the reasons why so many people, you know, the barrier to entry to competitive Mm -hmm. is, is huge. Yeah, you really have to have a lot of the resources. Like I've done it. I mean, like I said, I've played like 600 hours. I've only done it to one Pokemon. I've halfway done it to like a couple dozen others, but I haven't followed through on it. And I think I'm going to do that before where I set, or I guess before the sun sets on Sword and Shield. I'll probably do some more of that. But Have some competitive ready Pokemon. I mean, mm-hmm. you definitely play it enough to play competitively. Yeah, and you know, the thing that I really like about Pokemon, I mean, they haven't said it, but I'm assuming they're going to, is you can really bring your Pokemon forward. So like you can take that huge time investment into a Pokemon and you can put it in Pokemon Home and bring it to the next game. And I think that that's really special. So I've got some Pokemon that I'm training up right now. And yeah, I think I probably could have a competitive team. I think that is very special. I think about like the anime too, and when mm-hmm. Ash would bring out like his Charizard from a different region, mm-hmm. like those are some of the best episodes, man. Like mm-hmm. just bringing an old Pokemon out to help you out with a, whatever you're dealing with. I think that's in the very heart of Pokemon. So the fact that they're yeah. incorporating that, you know, it's, it's nice. Yeah, definitely. I think just think it's so cool, and that's I'm really excited for them to confirm. <laughs> what the Pokédex is, because I haven't seen Azumarill in any of the promotional trailers, but I'll be heartbroken if I can't play it in this game, especially because I have the shiny that you know I've trained up, so to speak. So, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there'll be. Oh God, I don't even want to say. I was gonna say a Pokemon, but I'm not even gonna say it. I don't want to jinx it. But I'm sure they're gonna have a lot of like the Gen One, Gen Two Pokemon. So, I'm really excited for to see some new ones. Actually. There's one Pokemon I they have put in from Gen 2. It's one of my favorites. It's Mareep. I think that's what it is. Oh, I love that Pokemon. It's so cool. Well, it involves into Ampharos, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ampharos is such a sick Pokemon. Yeah, it goes Mareep, Flaffy, and then Ampharos. And I'm actually, I'm really excited to have an Ampharos on my team. That's super exciting. Well, Brandon, do you want to take a quick break and then we'll talk some more about Scarlet and Violet and maybe which ones we're getting? Yep. Let's take a quick break. Talk to you soon.
All right, we are back, Brandon. And how you feeling? Are you feeling better or worse about Scarlet and Violet after the break? Uh, I'm feeling better. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Me too, man. Especially after you mentioned the terastalizing type thing. You reminded me of that aspect of it. I was like, yeah, you know, maybe there is a different kind of dynamic there. Maybe I shouldn't be so close-minded about it. So, Yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic, you know, because I really feel like it could really change the tide of a battle and could really make it more interesting. Like some of my favorite moves that do like wacky things, like I really love the moonlight. I don't know, maybe that's not the move, but basically you just like regain a bunch of health. And like, if you pair that with like, like a poison or like a sleep move or like a status effect move, like, I think that those can really be fun to play with. But yeah, if you're always overpowered, there's really no need to have those. So it's going to make for a different kind of like play style to the game. I hope so. I'm curious to see how battles will play out in the sense of like typing and you know, battles are going to be a lot slower, I feel like, now, since people can change their types, and so they'll be stronger to certain moves. Yeah, definitely. And I think that we talked about this before. We talked about the difficulty of Pokemon, and, like, especially in BDSP, which is, like, kind of a cakewalk, and then you come to Cynthia, and she's got full Eevee and Ivy Pokemon. Like, why did she... they do that? They just wanted... You got to think, like, they wanted people to struggle. Yeah. They really yeah. did. Like, you thought they wanted you to think it was sweet. And then mm-hmm. once you go play, you're like... You really got to earn that championship. Yeah, But the thing is, is, like, I don't think that anybody wanted that. Like, I think people wanted a more different game or difficult game. I think that's what people said. But I think what they meant was, I would love to walk up onto, it like, a random person on route whatever, and it'd be nice if he didn't have five Magikarps. Or let me face this gym leader and maybe have them do some kind of meta strategy that would be fun and interesting to play against. Like, what if they every Pokemon they put to sleep or something like that? And or like it's the electric type. Like he's gonna paralyze all your Pokemon instead of you know just like steamrolling them. So or I don't know. I think that that's kind of what people want is to have like the variety of like the battle types. And... Oh, yeah, the variety. Like, you never know how battles mm-hmm. going to play out. Yeah. Something that comes to mind, too, is I really like how certain Pokemon know moves that they really shouldn't. Like, uh-huh. for example, a Tyranitar would know, like, Surf, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. how does this Rock-type Pokemon know this Water-type move? Like, he does. They probably like, know, like, Muddy Water or something. Yeah, and it's like, it's really cool. So, you know, kind of looking at it from that perspective, you know, that is kind of exciting to see maybe a Gengar, you know, unleashing out some fighting moves. That would be sick. I'm curious to see how this will play out. So, oh, man. You know, terrestrializing. Maybe it's not going to be as bad as the trailer makes it seem like. Well, yeah, because they also, they said in the trailer that any Pokemon can have any terrestrialized type. So you really could find a Ghastly and then you could get another Ghastly on the route and they could have like a water terrestrialize or a fighting terrestrialize. Like, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. So that aspect, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic on that one. For me personally, I'm just really worried about the open world, but let me ask you this, Brandon, 
<laughs> do you think the Switch can handle this game? I mean, this game is boasting more things than a Pokemon game has ever done. Arguably more than any Switch game has ever done. We've got four-person co-op on the screen at the same time. Open world. How do you think the Switch is going to handle this? I think the Switch is not going to. It's not going to struggle at all, especially with the advent of the Switch Pro. <laughs> I think they want people to buy the newer console. It's not going to. It's not going to have a hard time. I think what they will do is they'll keep the design kind of limited and not push it too hard. You know, save it for the next iteration of Scarlet and Violet. Okay. Well, I mean, Pokemon Legends Arceus, that, that game struggled. It did struggle a bit. And they learned from that. And they were able to tell, like, okay, maybe let's not put a lot into that animation. Or let's not put a lot into this. And, you know. Maybe that's why they're doing deserts, man, because of the sea. Was, <laughs> yeah. The water was too hard. <laughs> the deserts are not as taxing on the Ugh. GPUs, the graphic cards. And graphics are really taxing on... Just to run anything that looks that nice, you know, on yeah. such a small console, you got to think it has to have a lot of wear and tear on the device over time. That's probably why the lifespan of a Switch is not that long. Yeah. You know, I, you I mean, you kind of joked about the Switch Pro, but I really hope that, I mean, there's been very reputable reporting by Bloomberg that the Switch Pro exists, has not been announced by Nintendo. My hope is that it gets here sooner rather than later because a lot of these games kind of just like it would be so awesome if I could just pop my Breath of the Wild cartridge or pop my Legends Arceus cartridge into the next iteration of the Switch and have it run better. I just can't wait for that to happen. I mean, I don't know when that'll happen, but I'm just really excited to get a little bit more boost to this Switch hardware. Amazing console. I mean, it's a great console. It, it boasts yeah. some great titles, a selection of titles that you know compares to any any other console out there. You name it. Yeah, there's a reason why Nintendo has such a large market share. So, yeah. I mean, I love the Switch. I think it's one of my favorite consoles I've ever owned, and the experiences I've had on it, like the games that it has, that are just nowhere else, are just impeccable. So, I mean, that really speaks to the Switch. But let me actually, you alluded to this earlier, and I think we got a little, not that we got sidetracked, but we didn't necessarily talk about this. You mentioned the tools of the open world. And I guess for me personally, something that makes Breath of the Wild stand out and makes it so special is they have all these physics and they give you all the tools. And not that it's up to you to make your own fun, like you're there to fight Ganon and, and go on these epic quests that they present you with, but it's the small stuff that really makes it for you, at least for me personally. Like it's getting into a shrine and solving a puzzle in a way that maybe it wasn't intended or it's not. Like you could solve it multiple ways, but because of the tool set, you have the option to, I guess, use your brain and be a little bit more creative. Yeah. And... I think that's just one of the best parts about Breath of the Wild is you are able to use the tool set that they give you in fun and creative ways. Do you think they're going to have that in this game? Like, that's one of the things I'm trepidatious about is what tools are they going to give us? And I guess Legends Arceus, we can go back to that. The tools that they give you, they give you a flute, <laughs> a cylinder, and you can summon Pokemon and they let you traverse the world. 
So you've got Basque Legion, which lets you ride on water. You've got the Hisuian Eagle. Do you remember what that bravery? Yeah, Hisuian bravery that you can use to like fly. He's like, awesome. He's a fan favorite. He's a huge. A lot of people love that Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon is awesome. And I mean, it, it's it allows you to fly in a Pokemon game. I mean, that's awesome. But do you think they're going to give you similar tools in this? Like, do you think you're going to be able to use the Pokemon for traversal? Or that's a really you... good question. Um, especially, or do you think the Pokemon are going to be tools? Especially given the new kind of dynamic of the world, kind of, you know, this is a speculation episode. Yeah. yeah. How will it play out? You know, I think, I can't help but think that the multiplayer is going to have an effect on it, on the tools of the world. Mm. Like, they're gonna have to like incentivize us to play the multiplayer a certain way and i think that'll be how like what if you connect to the internet you could go to any station like you could automatically teleport to any station or you could you know take a pokemon taxi or something and connect that way i don't know i'm just (laughs) thinking out loud here yeah definitely it could play out at any way honestly how i would want it to play out would be probably my own like i would have to have a flying type pokemon in my party and if i wanted to fly somewhere right since this is an open world um i would have to have been there before and then i would have to you know just pull out my map and tell my pokemon to go there yeah you know i actually forgot something Brandon. we've gone this whole episode without talking about the first pokemon that they kind of showed for these games and it's the pokemon that like Miraidon and Cyclodon that like are kind of your bicycles in the beginning. And they turn into the, I guess the cover Pokemon on the game. Now they show those Pokemon flying, gliding, and you're kind of riding that Pokemon, so to speak. Do you remember that in the promotional trailers? I do not remember that. Miraidon and Cyclodon. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Miraidon oh, Cor- and Coridon. Cor- yeah. Yeah, I found them. I found Scarlet Violet at Pokemon.com. Oh, man, they look sick. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so it does actually on, yeah, we're on there, or I'm on the official website. Wow, this actually, this shows the trainer riding that Pokemon. It shows him climbing up a cliff. It shows them leaping over a gap kind of wow. flying and, and I'm definitely going to need a cowboy hat. <laughs> I'm riding, <laughs> riding around these uncharted lands with a cowboy hat in this crazy sick Pokemon. You know, actually, I don't know why they didn't show this in some of the trailers. These screenshots look really cool from what I'm seeing here. Yeah, they look awesome. So if you get Pokemon Scarlet, you get the one that kind of looks like a dragon well, I guess they both look like dragon. The red one. Scarlet, you get the red dragon. Yeah, the red dragon looks cooler. The violet dragon, I don't know. Actually, I think the violet dragon looks It looks cooler. a bit too cybernetic for me. Yeah, it looks a bit futuristic. Which one do you think you're going to get? Do you think you're going to get Scarlet? Definitely Scarlet. Even, okay. I'm going to get violet. Okay. All right. We're mixing it up here. So I guess that that works. I think that tracks, you know. Yeah. I think for the last couple Pokemon, we've got the opposite. So it does track. So yeah. Yeah. Violet. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. One other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Brandon, is, you know, sometimes like I think that Pokemon 
just because it kind of created its own genre. Like it, there's so many Pokemon likes out there and so many people that love Pokemon. That's a fact. But at the heart of it, man, it's an RPG. And I think that out of all the Pokemon games, I think that what gives me the most hope is that I think that this might have some of the best RPG elements. And what I guess I mean by that specifically is it, it seems like it might have the best RPG foundation. Cause like when you think about it in the last couple, like, like in the first one, Pokemon red, blue, and yellow, like you just turn 11 and talk to the Pokemon professor. You talk to professor Oak, he gives you a Pokemon and you kind of go on your way. Right. Same kind of deal. And gold and silver, like you go and talk to the professor. He needs you to run an errand and he gives you a Pokemon. And in Gen 3, you move to a new town and they give you a Pokemon, <laughs> you know? So, but in this one, you're role-playing as a student at a Pokemon Academy. And I think yeah. that that's really cool. Like they've kind of built the world up enough to where I'm actually really excited about that. I'm really excited to see what is it like to be in a Pokemon school? Like, and I'm also like you, we kind of talked about like the, lead Pokemon for Violet looks very cybernetic and the one for Scarlet looks, I don't know, not like old school, but kind of primal, I guess maybe, would you say that's a good way of describing it? Yeah. It looks very like the very traditional, like depiction of what you might think a dragon Pokemon. That's also a bike at a plane <laughs> and a boat would look like. <laughs> Oh my god, it really is a bike, a plane, boat, <laughs> and a dragon, of course. Yes. Oh man. But yeah, yeah. So I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> you gotta love the creative genius <laughs> that Pokemon company has. <laughs> yeah. It's your bike friend. What if it's your bike and your plane and your boat? <laughs> and your Pokemon? I'm actually kind of excited. Do you think you will be able to battle with these Pokemon? Oh, for sure. It wouldn't be fair if you couldn't battle with it. Well, you can't battle with, like, the Hisuian Pokemon that you ride on, can you? Oh, you're saying they're going to be strictly tools? I think you got to earn these guys. Like, okay. if not, you're going to have to ride, like, the default bike and everywhere. But, like, these guys, like, you're going to have to... Because I was seeing somewhere it's, like, Uncharted Adventures or something. Like, mm. You got to, like, basically earn them. Okay. And they're also legendary Pokemon. It wouldn't make sense yeah. that you're just giving them. Yeah, they are legendary. So yeah, that'd be really interesting. I'm excited to see what they do like, here. Like make us do like a running shoes situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like Yeah, get the press B to run first. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited about this Pokemon Academy. I think that'd be really cool just to kind of see what they do with that and and how the role-playing aspects yeah. of that. And, like, Pokemon schools in the past, and they've been in games in the past. You know, it's yeah. always been an aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of rivalry between you as just a normal, average trainer and these academy blokes. <laughs> yeah, there is. And, um... It almost kind of feels like you're kind of like the blue-collar Pokemon trainer, and they're the... Or the white-collar. The Ivy League, yeah. Yeah. Definitely what they were trying to... Well, maybe not trying to go for that, but that's definitely what they executed there. Yeah. So, it's cool. I remember where I was going with this. It kind of looks like because one's so primal and one's so futuristic, there's a lot of speculation about if they're in the same time. 
Like they, it seems like they're in the same place, but are they in the same time? And then it's like, are they rival schools or are they the same school from a different timeline? That was a really interesting point because this is set in like the south of France, right? The mm-hmm. game. Well, yeah, based on France. Yeah. And the legendaries, from what I've heard, are kind of like past. One represents like the past and one represents like the present or the future. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that goes. They also have my name in their name, like Karai Don. Don. They have D-O-N in their name. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like Brandon. Are you, dude, <laughs> this is what you should do, man. Every Pokemon, you should nickname it to end in D-O-N. <laughs> I really should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually a genius. Just imagine a full PC full of D-O-N Pokemon. Gengar Don. <laughs> oh man that's you, perfect i'm doing that you should man you should do that no, i'm definitely doing every pokemon from now on <laughs> cubone don <laughs> and which pokemon would it sound terrible with and i can't see anyone that it would sound like absolutely heinous, actually man. the pokemon giraffe rig i don't remember what it's called but it's the same forward as it is backwards What's that called? Oh, there's a name for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You could say it both ways. Yeah, yeah. Giraffe rigged on. It would sound weird. You're messing yeah. up the thing. It would have to be so. non don giraffe rigged on. <laughs> <laughs> and now you say that looking at the design of giraffe rig, either way you look at giraffe rig, it's a Pokemon. Yeah, because it's got like a head on its tail and a head on its head. So. <laughs> it's got two heads one face in one way one face in the other <laughs> but we actually we haven't you know we haven't even talked about the starters either do you know which one you're gonna pick so there's Fuecoco, sprigatito and quaxley those are the three pokemon and they all look very cute quaxley's the water pokemon looks like a cute little duck with like either a hat or some cool hair Tito is a cute little grass cat and Fuecoco kind of looks like an alligator slash bell pepper. So I don't really know what that's going to look like. Are you going to look up the final evolutions before you pick or? No, I'm not. I'm definitely going to go with the fire type. I mean, every time I go, end up going with the fire type because it's the only one that like never, I don't know. All the other ones are kind of like, I don't know. I'm just not feeling them. Fire yeah. type this year kind of looks pretty cool. He looks like a kind of like a toony dragon. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to see what he looks like. And yeah, I always like the element of surprise with a new playing a new Pokemon game. Like that's something I always enjoyed as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like going into this not new knowing. world and not exactly yeah. not knowing what I'll run into and like like wow, like they actually included this in this game. Like that's really interesting. And just yeah, seeing definitely. how my experience varied. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not going to try to spoil that for myself. So are you actually, like, at this point, we've got less than 30 days. Do you think you're going to, and we, <laughs> we've recorded our speculation episode. Do you think you're going to, like, stop following the news on it? Oh, for sure. Okay. It's all 2K for me. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know if they'll announce the starter evolution, but if they do, I will not send it to you. I don't know. I'm kind of in between, man. I'm in between... Play Coco and Sprigatito. And I normally, I really like going with the grass type, but the last couple of grass types I've gone with, I've been disappointed. 
and I have not been disappointed with the last couple of fire types I've got. So me either. The fire types never miss, but we'll see. We'll I see think what it up. is is the fire type. I feel like for fire types, you've got to have a cool looking Pokemon that's your fire type. And I feel like the starters, they always at least make look cool. And for the grass types, I really like it when they have like the abilities like synthesis and where they can like regain health or like poison another Pokemon. And I feel like with the starters, like the starter grass type, I feel like they really make them very like attack heavy. For sure. And it's not necessarily, it doesn't give me that. Yeah, like the other ways to manipulate the battle, so... I guess we'll just see, but I think that's about it. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the Paldea region, the gym battles. I think you can do them in any order. I heard some stuff about the gym battles. You know, you were talking earlier about Sword and Shield and how, well, not Sword and Shield, the prior Pokemon game, the Gigantamaxing and how, you know, the gym battles felt like, you were in a stadium, you had all these people watching like a Pokemon battle. It seemed mm-hmm. like you were in the anime. Like in the anime, that's kind of what it's like. You know, Ash will go to a stadium and they'll make a whole thing out of it. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how they're going to execute that. You know, are they going to do that similar kind of style where, you know, you're terrestrializing in this huge stadium? Or is it going to be kind of this low key thing where you just have to battle these? trainers in a puzzle and then just go find the gym leader yeah like how will it play out with this open world right like i'm just super curious yeah yeah that's really interesting they have announced one gym leader they have like kind of showed did you miss that or did you see that no i didn't oh man well i guess i'll tell you because this is our speculation episode they announced a gym leader and they actually had a cool little event and but basically she's like a streamer that's like her profession is she is like a gym leader that's a streamer. So it's kind of very much assumed that whenever you are heavily implied that when you go and fight her, that it's going to be like broadcast to the whole Pokemon world. So at least that one, there will at least be a virtual audience, but then they kind of show her gym a little bit and it's kind of, kind of almost seems like a high value production for like almost like a news broadcast Whereas, like, I think they show another one and it kind of just seems like a low-key kind of thing. So I wonder if they do a mix of it. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do. I, I'm super curious to see how they execute this. And I guess we'll fa- we will see very, you know, soon enough because the game is coming out very soon. Yeah. And I wonder how they're dealing with the pressure, you know, over there at the Pokemon company. It's yeah. probably people trying to break into their databases every day to get a new leak. Every time, it's only a matter of time before all their files, everything is out. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Going into the elite culture would be a whole nother episode. But yeah, there's obviously with so much, I guess, like hype and so much that's not known, there's a huge incentive for people to want to get information. And so I guess the hope is that, I mean, I think the last last couple of times they've had a Pokemon game, there's been huge leaks and the Pokemon company's like really gone after these people and like sued them. So I kind of wish that things would stop getting leaked personally. I think, it, I don't know. I think that it's the Pokemon companies. I mean, it's their, obviously it's their IP, but they have like a whole team of people dedicated to rolling out this information in a fun way possible. And like with that streamer gym leader, she kind of like, 
or they made it seem like she was doing like a big reveal and what her partner Pokemon was. And then that partner Pokemon's a new Pokemon. I don't remember what it's called, but I personally don't mind the leap thing because yeah. I think it's a good price. It sets a good precedent, right? Cause it, I mean, at the end of the day, this is just a game. Yeah. But like if the people understand that there's information out there that they, you know, want to get their hands on, there is a way for them to get their hands on. I think that's a powerful message for people to like, you know, it's powerful for people to have, understand that. Yeah, no, a lot of times, I mean, they really try to sell you on it and keep you in the dark before the game's out. So they really try and sell you before like the reviews are out and whatnot. So you pre-order the game and and they get their money. But yeah, are you going to buy it day one? Are you going to pre-order it? Are you going to wait for reviews or... I'm probably gonna wait for reviews with this one. Dude, I'm, I'm gonna see how it plays out. But I'm more than definitely getting it because we have to make an episode on it. So I'm not gonna lie, I might pre-order it. Get those pre-order bonuses. Do you know what those are? They've announced a couple, but I don't really think that there's been any that I've really been inspired by. But I actually in Manhattan, they have a Pokemon or not a Pokemon, they have a Nintendo store by Rockefeller Center. And I walk past it on my way to work. So I'll probably just stop in there and pre-order it. That way I can just pick it up on the day it's released, which I think I believe is November 18th. Yeah, November 18th, 2022, which I don't know what day of the week that is. Let me double check. Yeah, November 18th, that's a Friday. So that'd be a good reason for me to go to the office and I could pick it up on my lunch. That's Pokemon, baby. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Do you have anything else before we wrap it up? Not really. All right, man. Well, I guess I'll see you in the Paldea region. Guess we'll see each other in the Paldea region. Maybe we can pick up some fans and get a multiplayer session going. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see how that works out. That'd be really cool if we could get something going. Yeah, but I guess we'll see how possible that is. So, all right. Well, I guess I'll, I'll... Grab my, I'll go grab my Pokédex. Dear Paul Dea. <laughs> <laughs>